Are you an early stage founder looking to grow your SaaS? The SaaS Doc Founder Membership is a private community of ambitious SaaS founders where you can get a support network of peers, connect with like-minded founders around the globe, and learn proven strategies from industry experts to help you scale up your SaaS. If you want to get access to peer groups, investor meetings, mentor hours, and more to help you scale faster together, then visit sasdoccom forward slash founder hyphen membership to apply, or just go to sasdoccom and go up to the header menu and click on memberships. And even your application form, if it's right for you, mention the SAS Revolution show to apply for an exclusive discount. Find your SAS tribe and thrive with the SAS Doc Founder membership. This podcast is sponsored by G2, the place for buying, selling, and reviewing software. All audiences aren't built equally. Learn to connect with interested and engaged buyers at the right time with G2 Buyer Intent. Uncover who's researching your product so you know when to reach out and what to say. Sell more and close bigger deals by sending personalized messages directly to buyers ready to talk tech. G2, smarter software decisions made together. Join the community at www.sell.g2.com slash This podcast is sponsored by Chargeify. Chargeify provides specialized billing and data management tools to give B2B SaaS companies the competitive edge. Over the past 12 years, Chargeify has partnered with champions in SaaS like SpendSpark, Mailgun, Connect, and Earthclass Mail to streamline their billing processes, build and nurture lasting relationships with customers, and strategically optimize their organizations for long-term growth. Chargeify's innovative software empowers every B2B SaaS company to step into the future of billing. Visit chargeify.com forward slash SaaStock to learn more. Giving equity employees is one of the strongest alignment metrics you can do or alignment securities you can give to your employees because as an option or an equity uh, grant becomes more, is basically correlated to the share price. You as a CEO need to get the share price up because you have investors who want to get the share price up. So if you can explain to the employee that they will get rewarded if they increase the share price, then you can tell them the exact same story as the board all the way down. So it's perfect for alignment. And if you want to get really, you know, the people to put their heart and soul into this and actually care for the business and also set meaningful KPIs for the business. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, Christian Gabriel, uh, co-founder and CEO of CapDesk. Christian, thanks, thanks a lot, Alex. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, yeah, so good to have you uh, uh, on the program. See, we're both uh, um, uh, sweating a little bit, not because we're doing a podcast, and uh, it, but it's uh, scorching hot in the uh, the UK uh, today, and has been uh, uh, for this week. So uh, we both got the windows open, having a little bit of breeze, and uh, hopefully, I don't make you sweat uh, any more. Um, then you perhaps already are, or I'm, I'm presuming, like with these really tough questions that we've got uh, uh, coming up. Hope you can keep that promise. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I, 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 generally, I'm, I'm, I'm a fair 
uh, interviewer, uh, I, I would say. Um, but, uh, but but Christian, we, I know we, we've we've had a sort of like brief chat before, um, but uh, first time on the podcast. Um, tell the audience that are listening uh, just a little bit about you know who's Christian Gabriel, you know, as uh, as a person. Yeah, of course. So yeah, Christian Gabriel. I'm uh, 30 years old. Live in London now. Originally from Denmark. I am not the usual fintech founder as such. I kind of was stumped into fintech without really knowing it. And I've, I'd, if you'd asked me like 20 or 10 years ago, if I thought I was seeing myself in finance, I've definitely said no. But some reason, somehow, in some way, I found myself in fintech, which is great. Um, love tennis. That's pretty much all I do. I love the outdoors. I was born, like, born and raised in, uh, in the countryside of uh, Jutland in Denmark. So I love the outdoors. And uh, now I live in London with uh, my fiance, Anna. So, so that's a little bit about me. I studied computer science and communication. Uh, at university while I was working for an investment platform. And uh, I suppose, yeah, so I don't really see myself as a finance person, even a startup person, more like somebody who's curious and a, bit, a little bit more creative perhaps than most most people in the space. That's my superpowers. <laughs> um, how, how did you end up in the UK? Was it your fiance? Was it the the, the startup, the business or, or none of the above? Yeah, it was the startup. So uh, back then when I found a cap desk, I was like 20, 25 and 24, 25 actually. And uh, the board told me, well, I looked for where like there was most customers and that was the UK. So I didn't, I was supposed, supposedly in a chapter of my life where I didn't have that many responsibilities. So I just said to, to Anna, my girlfriend at the time, do you want to go to UK? And then a month later we went, you know, it's before Brexit. <laughs> so we literally just went to, to the UK and, uh, yeah, it wasn't very, very hard to do, and uh, we ended up staying here for quite a bit. Cool, good, 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 good to good to hear. Um, I think uh, <laughs> I'm assuming yeah. that you're still. I mean, but I think certainly from a fintech side of things, uh, makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, UK uh, probably capital Europe in from a fintech uh, perspective, yeah. maybe globally. Uh, I, I don't know about that, uh, but uh, certainly uh, uh, in Europe. And so, so CapDesk brought you to the UK, but why did you? start CapDesk at the age of 24, 25? Like what was like this compelling like problem that you needed to, to, to solve? Yeah, so, um, so I, for some reason, got, uh, became a country manager for an investment platform. So equity crowdfunding platform, quite similar to Cedars or CrowdCube, but in the Nordics, something called Funded by Me. And that's a different story how that happened. So I was actually working full-time as that while I was studying. We're basically helping companies of all sizes chop up the equity into a thousand bits and sell them to God knows how many um, investors of all sizes as well. And uh, I just clearly remember when doing that, that at one point I helped the company get, I don't know, raise 200,000 euros from 400 investors. And I invested myself, right? And I got my, I don't know, mom and my cousins and my friends all to invest in this case. And then when it, you know, we've invested the money and I mean, 100 euro back then was quite a lot for some of my friends. I just remember thinking, okay, where's the equity now? And I asked the investment platform, where's the equity? And they said, they're in spreadsheets. And then I was just face palm, are you kidding me? Are we having this revolutionary new wave finance thing about getting basically subscribing people into a spreadsheet? And then afterwards, we just ditched the company with 400 shareholders who have given them 200,000 euros, which in the grand scheme of things is not a lot. Right. And now they have to deal with those 200 shareholders who don't know where the shares are uh, for the rest of the company's life. 
at the same time, the shareholders have no idea what a private share is, uh, equity is. So they were expecting to look on something like a glorious dashboard with all sorts of colors and bells and whistles. And instead, they just request a spreadsheet once a year. So I looked into that and they said, well, Christian, it's just, uh, well, that's completely normal. That's what all private companies do. And back in 2014-15, I um, you know, went to one of my friends who was a Series B CTO and I asked him, where's your equity? And he said, I think they're in a shareholder, I like they're in a spreadsheet. And then that was where I had my, you know, Empress new clothes moment. You know, the private markets are wearing no clothes. Billions are being invested into faulty spreadsheets. Let me see if I can, you know, create a platform and get put put private equity online. That was the beginning of Capdesk. Very cool. Uh, good story there. And also um, probably landed it with the name, right? Um, Capdesk, <laughs> exactly what it says. I know there are some... Um, you know, competing kind of platforms, but uh, perhaps like with their name that you couldn't necessarily, uh, you know, uh, understand 100% what, you know, what they're doing. But, you, you know, when you look at Capdesk, uh, it, it, it pretty much kind of like uh, nails it and gives it away. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, were you lucky? Were you one of the first to market there? Or is it like, um, how, how did you manage to kind of like snap that up? Okay, this is not for... for... <laughs> for all the listeners but i'm going to tell you the story so actually before we we're called cap box so i always just wanted something with cap and then i just envisioned this thing about you know just seeing things like i i said well i wasn't necessarily a finance person i just wanted to create a dashboard somewhere where you could look in and you could see your shares right and then cap you know good name it suits cap it's in cap table it's sort of large cap small caps it's fine and then box but i could only get capbox.co so dot co so my business agent at the time said, and this is a true story, he invested in something called Recon Instruments and they had Recon.co and he said it turned into an absolutely disaster at one point because Recon.com got snapped up by a gay fetish website. So uh, <laughs> that ruined a lot of brand awareness and brand recognition for them because their users would go into Recon.com and then get a little bit offended. So he just said, Christian, you know, you need to find a .com domain. And then super lucky, I just basically tried to, you know, <laughs> Uh, to find all sorts of weird, weird ways of saying box, and then desk was one of them. And uh, look at that, captus.com. So quite lucky. <laughs> Very good, good. Um, so in terms of you know, understand like what it what it does and the and the, and the problem that it's solving, and a big problem that I think uh, say a lot of companies have, and, and perhaps in some instances they don't necessarily maybe know uh, uh, that they have, or that there are better ways of, of doing things. But what I want to chat to you again, like given your experience, is just around like offering equity to employees and like going a little bit like as deep as we can in, you, you know, kind of yeah. 30 minutes or less uh, on, on that. Um, so sound good to you? We, we jump into that? Yeah, yeah, good. Maybe I'm not sure if I should tell what Captus does so the people know yeah. what the platform does, but uh, exactly. just, you know. <laughs> good. Is that, that'd, that'd be a good start, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, a good start about Captus does is that companies are staying private for longer. So that means that if you are like a Series A or a unicorn company, you might have, you know, hundreds of employees all want equity and you might have hundreds of shareholders all having equity and those equity have different rights and are optimized by different uh, tax, tax, tax laws and, uh, and approvals. And for you as a company to keep track of that uh, while staying private is one hot mess. So Capdisk is basically a dashboard, like an accounting platform, but for your equity, where we allow those private companies um, to stay private for longer and digitize all the equity and also trade the equity uh, while staying private. And one of the things we have and one of our purpose is to democratize uh, equity so that more to more stakeholders 
so that more people in society can get their hands in equity in the company rather than just getting a paycheck. And one of the cool ways of distributing equity in a company is for using uh, employee equity incentives, also called ESOPs. Cool. Thank you uh, uh, for, for clarifying that. And then that obviously yeah. does then gives a, <laughs> a stronger base to uh, you, you know uh, jump into in, into the conversation. So let, let, let's kind of kick it off, like in terms of like the pros. Like why why would the founders listening to this podcast uh, give equity uh, away? Why would they give ownership away? Um, to their startup that they're building um, uh, and they're potentially in, in, in their minds like you know putting the, the, the most you, you know into well I think there's a, there's, there's a lot of different ways uh, why, the, why this makes sense but first of all um, equity giving equity employees is one of the strongest alignment uh, metrics you can do or alignment securities you can give to your employees because as uh, an option or an equity uh, grant becomes more, is basically correlated to the share price. You as a CEO needs to get the share price up because you have investors who want to get the share price up. So if you can explain to the employee that they will get rewarded if they increase the share price, then you can tell them the exact same story as the board all the way down. So it's perfect for alignment. And uh, if you want to get really, you know, the people to put their heart and soul into this and actually care for the business and also set meaningful KPIs for the business. Keep in mind, if you work for a salary, you might not care about what happens in three years from now. But if you work for equity, well, those decisions you make today might be very relevant for you in three years from now because it means whether your equity uh, value is going to increase or decrease. Um, but I also think, you know, it creates more responsible companies. So if you, you basically uh, decentralize, um, decentralize ownership, right, so that everybody's got an ownership and they take part of it and they want to create good uh, solutions, um, and be proud of what they what they own, right? So I think it creates more responsible companies. And then, uh, you know, second of all, I feel very strongly about this. It's something we should speak much more about in the in Europe, European ecosystem. But it's this economic ripple effects in society, I think, that we've seen in the West Coast, Silicon Valley, um, that if you can give employees, if you can make them, you know, millionaires or whatever, or give them a lot of money, then they can go out and become business deals for new companies. And then we can help, you know, create an ecosystem which is much more you know, favorable for everybody there. So if we can get these secondaries to work and if we can get, um, so if we can allow them to actually cash out as well, but also give them equity, then I think the economic ripple effects in society is gonna increase really quickly. And that means better education, it means better research, it means better health, and it means better decisions done in society. And lastly, I think, especially with this, uh, these crazy generations we have like that right now, the generation C and the generation and millennia, uh, Ys and the millennials, you know, if people are very impact, uh, they care a lot about impact. And I think uh, equity can create that deeper meaning for employees and not just working for a paycheck, but something else. And we've definitely seen them, seen that uh, in Captus, but also the companies that we we, um, we help. It's a great point, great points there. And we could probably dive like into them all. And, and certainly, um, you know, around the US versus sort of Europe, you say that, that perhaps uh, a, a little bit ahead um, and we, uh, in terms of, uh, I think companies are generally having these these equity kind of you know schemes, and in yeah. Europe it's a little bit less common. And there are some some companies I see, and I, I think um, I've seen like Hanno from Personio, uh, you know, uh, speak public publicly about this a lot more. In, the, in terms of Europe needs to do better, uh, you, mm. you know, kind of uh, uh, around this. So why do you think Europe is behind the US on, on, on that side of things? Um, 
Well, I think that's most one of the the key, the key reasons why we are behind is that if you go 200 miles in either direction of most countries, you'll be in a completely different tax zone, a completely different country who doesn't even understand. You can't even buy the same things in the supermarket, right? And you see the same thing with the banks. Like each country have got like their own banks, even though that, you know, there's not really any good inner market in Europe, uh, especially within finance and especially within trading security. So if you were to make you make your employees feel comfortable about uh, tax in UK while it being in Denmark, you don't get that. So I think we we need to streamline. This is not a, a, a remain thing again, but we need to streamline. Um, we need to streamline some policies about how tax and securities are dealt with in Europe, so that we can. That's one of the, the pros in uh, in the US, right? Is you can go basically anywhere in the US and you know what it is. So you've got a common understanding of what that security uh, means, and you've got more people to help collaborate in terms of taking that security to the next level um, and regulators also. Whereas in you know, Denmark, being an example, that's where I come from, we have 6 million people. You know, that's like a small borough, that's like a borough in London, right? And then we go around invent, like with all sorts of you know, intelligent people inventing our own ways of doing this. You know, Germany is doing the same thing now, as Hannah pointed out. So um, yeah, we need to streamline stuff. Do you, do you say, I mean, so you mentioned a lot earlier, um... As the example in terms of like companies that might use like the solution like cap is generally like series A right through to kind of you know unicorn. Uh, yeah. So in terms of giving out equity, do you think it's um, and from some of the, the points that you, you sort of mentioned, uh, more valuable to to give out equity for a company that wants to become a unicorn than to a company that has no aspirations to be a unicorn and say maybe wants to get to, I don't know, 10 million in revenue is their kind of, you know, goal or, or be, you know, not quite, I don't know if you call that a lifestyle business, but probably it'd be a good one. Mm. But, um, but yeah, what are your thoughts around that? I think it's a very good question. And I think it depends on what you want to achieve with your, um, with your program, with your share plan program. If you want to achieve, you know, the same thing as when you invest in like a, if you want to invest in BrewDog or, you know, uh, your local bakery, you know, you, you probably know that a local bakery is not going to turn into the next Facebook, but perhaps it gives you some sort of, you know, meaning and it gives you that the bragging rights to your friend that you own that equity. If that's a part of your decision to give it out, then, you know, lifestyle businesses are fine. I think that's all right. Um, I do feel quite passionate about this because I think the employee end up protected as well as the retail investor. So there's nothing to protect the employee. And therefore, if you give out um, equity as a financial uh, motivator and a compensation, you need to be a growth company. You need to tell the employee that they're going to have access to liquidity. The only way to have liquidity is through doing an IPO, selling the company, going, going bankrupt in some cases, or doing a secondary. And if, you don't, if you're not planning on doing either of those, if you're just you know, or, or buying the, the, the shares back, then you have that instrument which is not really, you can't really use for anything. And secondly, if you don't care about increasing equity value, then... You know, you might have a CEO who, who cares about break-even but not increasing um, equity value. You can say a lot of crazy things about Elon Musk, but he's really good at getting good multiple <laughs> out of their revenue, right? So there are certain CEOs you hire in order to get that revenue, like that revenue multiple up, which is good for all uh, share, like shareholders and um, equity holders. So you need to employee to know have like which sort of company am I in, and are they are they ambitious to to get the shareholder share share value up? Is there a liquidity event? And also, how does the, um, the cap table stack look like? 
did they just bring in SoftBank with a three X liquidation preference? Because that means I'm never going to see my uh, my return uh, on exit because SoftBank is going to get all the proceeds. So you need to understand uh, those three parameters. I would say. What about the cons? Like, why would why would a founder uh, again who's listening uh, sort of hopefully not do this, not offer uh, equity? Do you see any cons? I mean, obviously, I understand from your position that you, you know the more companies that offer equity, the better it is, you know, the yeah. market for you. But in, in what instances, you, you know, um, are, are, are there cons? Yeah, I think that's a lot of, um, there's a lot of cons to it, right? Um, it's not just all happy days. I mean, one of the things is that, you know, employee gets an optional award. That, that means that over time he, you know, has the right to purchase uh, some shares and become a shareholder. When you're a shareholder, you have certain rights and certain information rights. So you're looking at, you know, you're looking at uh, having to communicate to employees. And sometimes if those employees and you're in a bad standing, they might not have your interest. So your employees become shareholders. And if you're not geared off to, to deal with that relationship, then you should not give out equity to your employees. Um, second of all is that you might be a business where it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Just like many businesses, it doesn't make sense to bring in an investor uh, because how would, or it's just the wrong instruments to use, right? Maybe you shouldn't sell equity. Maybe you should take a, you know, um, should borrow some money instead from the bank. There's different instruments for different purposes. And maybe if you're a lifestyle business and you, it's not the right instrument for you. You know, second of all, it's it's costly. You need to update the stuff. You need to go to company's house, uh, sorry, HMRC, make sure that the, the valuation is uh, sorry, There's a lot of liabilities. So uh, there comes some great responsibility in issuing it. And you need to communicate to the employee. If you, if you don't want to communicate to the employee what it's worth, and you shouldn't do it. Um, so, however, I, I would still say that those are the risks with everything that you have to invest in it properly to, to get the good effects out of it. It just, the, the good effects, I told you, it just does come from day one. It's like, uh, think about it as giving a fitness membership, you know, gym membership, but not telling where the directions to the gym is. That's a little bit like how most equity programs are. You know, you've got it. <laughs> it's super annoying. But you, if you don't tell the directions to the gym, then nobody's going to care. And the same thing with equity. Let's, let's assume then um, we've got some uh, founders on here that haven't uh, given away equity yet, but they're looking to do it, right? They're looking to roll yeah. out the program. Um, what would be the first steps, uh, would you say? Like, what, are the, what are the practical, pragmatic steps that you're going to need to take to, kind of, uh, to, to roll this out to your team? So the first thing is you start with uh, looking at your cap table. So your cap table um, is basically a full list of all people who own who owns what percentage of your company, how many shares they have. And you look at it on a fully related basis and you might have two co-founders. So they've got 50% each. Founders got two, uh, 50% each. And now you want to uh, perhaps think about doing a business in your round. Uh, so I would always recommend perhaps making an option pool as part of an investment round uh, to begin with. And I'll tell you why now. It's because you can do what's called a shuffle. So you can basically get the investor to pay for the option pool. So how that works is that the investor comes in and he might, you know, buy 10% of the company. So that means you now have 40%. Your co-founder's got, um, so you've got 45%. Your co-founder's got 45%. And then the last investor's got 10%, right? Something about that. And uh, then afterwards, you do an option pool, meaning that you all, and that option pool is basically how much of the cap table, so how many shares are available for future employees and what is the fully diluted position, how many percentage with that uh, amount to in terms of um, the company. And when you do it that way, then you would see that the investor would get down to perhaps, let's just say 
7.5%, you might go down to like 42.5% and your, your co-founder might go down to 42.5%. So in this case, you have an investor to help pay for the option pool. That's a very good parameter to negotiate business angels rounds, ladies and gentlemen, because they will try to screw you over some of these business angels. So this is the, uh, the trick 101, the option pool shuffle it's called. Um, and I think that's uh, that's a great way to get started. So think about that for your business angel round and think about doing this option pool shuffle to get it in afterwards as part of the deal. If you do it beforehand, then obviously what will happen is that he will need to dilute you further. So you will still have 45 uh, and 45 and 10 because your option pool is 45, but then you have to you know, give out the last uh, 10% from your own stake. So you'll end below 40% and the option pool will already be less than 10%. It might be eight, right? And the, so it might be 7.5, you know, 40, 40, something like that, right? Um, so that's why it's important to do the option pool shuffle. Once you've done that, you now have 10%. So let's just say that's like 5,000 shares you can you can give out to future employees. I would say that it's very important you use that early on because your the options are more worth the earlier you use it. And it's your only competitive advantage in terms of compensation to incumbents out there or larger corporations because large corporations are not going to grow as quick as you do because you're starting from zero. So giving away equity early on is your, your biggest competitive advantage to get really good talent. It was one thing I learned well the last five years, and I wish it did different is find amazing talent and pay them well to begin with. So this is going to be very, very important for you. Not just find mediocre talent, but just find shit talent or juniors, find really good people, and they would demand equity. Um, so what you do now is you figure out which jurisdiction are you in. So let's just say in UK, for some listeners, then you would probably figure out, okay, which security should I then use for my share plan? And... Um, which um, tax wrappers are there I can use. And you would figure out that EMI is perhaps Europe's best <laughs> um, option, option plan program um, with fixed tax incentives. And you would, that's, and that's EMI options. So you have to use options. So now you need to use options. Then you get an accountant and the accountant will give you a valuation. Uh, so say this is your, the lowest price you can give to your employees. You want to get the strike price to be as low as possible. If your share price is in fact 50 pounds, you would like to see if you can get it to like, I don't know, 10, 0.5, that's quite good, because then you've already given your employees value just from issuing it. And you can do that in UK. Uh, second of all, once you've done that, now you have your evaluation, you now do the option grant program. This is when you figure out how should my employee earn this, let's just say that's a thousand, um, thousand options, a thousand shares. And then what you'll do is you'll typically put in a trial period saying he's not going to earn anything unless he stays here for a year. So that's what's called a cliff. Cliff is like your trial period or yeah, it's, yeah, trial period. So after a year, he will then, after having waited for a year, he might get like 20% of the thousand. So he might be saying, hey, you know, there you are. You now get XYZ options. And then after that, for the next three years in a row, he can then invest the remaining options maybe over month over month. And that means that you're not going to give it out unless he stays there for a long time. And that's a good model. That's called a vesting schedule. So you get that vesting schedule and you put it in right. And then afterwards, you draw an option plan and an option agreement, and then you send that out to be signed. And once it's signed, then you uh, use some sort of software like Capitalist to keep track of the vesting so that you can check the vesting and how much has accrued in terms of shares you've promised them. And, how, and the employee can keep track of that, uh, how many options he has uh, accrued. And then you make sure to, uh, to send some uh, paperwork to HMRC of what you've done. You do that every year. We can also handle that in Capitalist. And that's basically the life cycle of uh, option until you, there's a trigger event, which is an exit or a secondary program or a buyback of options. 
And uh, then you convert those options uh, either through exercise or cashless exercise. So either the option holder buys them from the company and are now a shareholder and what to do, they're a shareholder, or you get somebody to buy the shares on behalf of the employee. So you basically just, uh, yeah, you get a buyer into the secondary transaction where a buyer might be a big bank says, I would like to buy up all of this employee's equity. And they get the difference between the exercise price, which is how much they have to pay for the shares, and uh, the current share price. How long would the, typically the process take? So you say, okay, I've decided that I want to kind of do this. You have to get the valuation. Like your starting point, you're, you're on the phone to the accountants or sending them an email right through to, you, you know, I'm now logged in on CapDesk and I'm just kind of looking at my, my, my share price. So, um, how, how long does that typically take? Is, is there a, a, a kind of a, a typical benchmark for that? Yeah, so I think it, it it all depends. Is everything you can use some of these plat you can use some of these accountants or a platform that's like you know one two three here's a document you can use and then you you know you've got evaluation you've got the document you're started right that takes you like a week or something. Um, in all instances, I would recommend because there's just a lot of corner cases out there. The thing about equity is you don't know what you don't know, <laughs> and equity changes over time. So retrospectively, you would. If everything goes well in your company and you become a unicorn, all of a sudden those mistakes means you know hundreds or millions of pounds of uh, millions of pounds. So that's that's where I would always recommend getting some sort of lawyer or advisor in, and speak to that advisor saying, as an example, right? If you've got an employee in Denmark and you've got an employee in the UK, what do you do about you know the exercise price? Because the exercise price in the UK can be lower than in Denmark. So do you then grant more options in the UK than you do in Denmark? Or do you keep the same exercise price? And what do you do if you want an employee from the US? Because then you need to have an international you know, uh, share plan program. And if you don't have that from the beginning, some people would say, well, why are you giving out more equity to your UK employees than me in the US? Why are you penalizing for that? So, so there's all sorts of these weird things, and especially in this world, uh, post-pandemic, where you know, the whole world is your, is your talent supermarket. I would make sure not to lock yourself down in a UK only uh, template. So it can take take a week. Uh, it can take two weeks. Depends on the quality. And I saw you. Um, and in terms of price, it can be everything from three thousand pounds to get it all sorted to 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 five thousand or even more, uh, depending on the quality. And obviously, when you go through that seed round or Series A round, they would look at how the setup is, and they would probably do win points or lose points depending on how robust that setup is as well. When you touch equity, this is something that's really going to be a trigger point for, for future investors. So do it properly. Don't, don't try to hack it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, I'd, be, I'd be interested if, if you'd be happy to share like how uh, CapDesk has really structured uh, its equity in, in terms of like almost like a, a very kind of short mini case study. Um, uh, so, so yeah, like how, how have you guys uh, done it? Yeah, I mean, so, so we give everybody equity. Um, about if they're a full-time employee, we give everybody equity in CapDesk. Um, we have been working on making some equity bands. So, so we have one of the things we have to do is just that this Denmark and UK thing where we actually had to get our exercise price, unfortunately, a bit higher. But that's because we needed, we wanted to have the same price for both Danish, German. You know, everybody should have the same exercise price. So there's no favorable, um, there's no favorable employees. It's the same thing. Uh, we are about to fix that somewhere somehow. Uh, that's a different story. Um, so we did that. And then I think we tried to do tiering, right? So we tried to tier and say, are you a junior? Are you uh, um, a manager? Are you a senior? Are you? And then we tried to use the senior uh, 
banned banning work, and then we give we have made an equity calculator. So all hiring managers can go in and they can say, this is the salary, this is the seniority, and then we'll tell you how many much equity you can grant to them. Um, and I also think that's quite important to do, that you as a company, you need to set some parameters about equity. It's just that as there is a salary gap, there's also equity gap in terms of minorities. And, uh, and you as a founder, you need to just make sure that the ones who's best at negotiating doesn't get the most, so that, so that it's spread equally around the organization because it will cause have up later on if you don't do that. So make a good salary band, uh, some good salary bands uh, based on this equity and uh, and make sure to align your future hires with your board so that you don't use up more shares than promised because it's quite embarrassing going back to your investor in my first example and saying, hey, we need to dilute you by 5% more because we need to issue more equity than we thought. Have you, on, on the equity calculator, sort of like that, is, is it, um, would, you, would you say, I'm, I'm sure like each company is probably sort of different but would, would there be um, value in a, an equity calculator being public, even if it was like a lead magnet tool for, 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 for you guys, right? Um, uh, where companies can go in and, and just kind of like have a play around uh, um, and, and something like that. Yeah. You created something like that already. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, <laughs> there's so many things we're trying to do like internally, which I'd like to do public. And actually, all my employees are pushing me to do it. I... One of the things about being very purpose-driven and being very like in the space is hypocrisy. So I want to make 100% sure that we have tested this with a good enough sampling size before I make it public. Yeah. Because I don't want for anything to come out where any police says, well, Capdisk says to do this, but actually that doesn't work. And when they say they're the greatest, they aren't. The truth is we're still learning as well. Um, we're getting data every time. And it is a new space. And especially having a global share plan um, like having a global talent force where you don't want to discriminate uh, either of them, it's super tricky. And it's it's how long is a piece of string you're never really done. But I think we're testing it out right now uh, with the hiring managers. After the hiring managers, we're probably going to open it up to the whole company so the whole company can see exactly uh, where they are. And then after opening up to the whole company, you know, at each of these those steps, we're probably going to get some pushback. Once you open up to the whole, whole company and it works without significant pushback for over a year, we're probably going to make it public a lot of with a lot with a lot of other things, um, and we're also going to um, one of the things we're working on, which I'm quite excited about, is that I'm working on also making an internal secondary market for Capdisk, so you can actually sell your equity once a year or something like that. That's something I'm uh, I'm very passionate about doing. So first of all, helping out how do you communicate the equity, how do you give out the equity, how do you give out the equity, how do you communicate the equity, and then how do you also create the make sure that the equity is liquid. Uh, liquid. So it doesn't end up with me cashing out, you know, fifty percent of my shareholding and leaving all my employees behind the bus with a drive, you know, with a, with, without any bus driver. It needs to be equal, so everybody gets to cash out at the same time, and uh, and the board and shareholders is aligned with that. Sure. I think that's when you've got something powerful. No, definitely it sounds exciting. And and so where where what's the, have you given a bit, bit of an insight in terms of like you, you know what's coming up and things that you're working on. Um, you know, as a business, sort of cap desk, they're like, what's next really for, like for you over, over the next year? I mean, are you, uh, you, you know, plans of growth? I, I'm sort of like talking about, you know, are you raising that next round? You know, if so, what it is like the international expansion, you know, going to like from how many employees now to how many, like what, what, what is the plan? Like what does growth look like for you? Of course, we're, I think, about 15 employees right now. And um, we are... Raised, uh, raised our Series A round earlier this year, which got published um, about 8 million pounds in total. 
And we will use that money right now to just, I think we're the best funded equity management software right now in UK, in Europe, which says more perhaps about the, the niche, <laughs> niche, niche um, environment we're in, the market we're in, more, rather than CapDesk, how successful we are. But we aim right now to just make sure that it spreads like wildfire across Europe, this whole equity revolution. And as I said, we are quite purpose-driven, so we want to make sure that we can make, like, if there are good employees out there working for a tech company, they, they got them to serve to get equity just because they weren't born in Silicon Valley or London. They should still have equity. And we are we hope that we can inspire all of those companies to give out equity. Uh, now there's a platform to do it, which is Captus, so it should be easier. And then we're, just like when we came to the UK four years ago, where everybody thought we were crazy and this would be a space that we could never raise even 100K uh, in funding, because why would you on earth we work in this niche niche platform? We're seeing the same thing in the rest of Europe right now. It's still like early days, but over time, you know, we'll get there. And uh, then when everybody thinks about, just about like when you think about the public market, markets, you think about Nasdaq. Whenever you think about private equity, you think about capitalists and you ask, where is my shares? If they're not in capitalists, they don't exist. And when that happens um, and you see two bats for bakeries that needs to use CapDisk just like you see with Zero, then the next step is for us to make sure that just like uh, you can do with Monsu or Revolut, you can just transfer money to each other, then you can start transferring shares to each other. So that's the next revolution. And once you can start transferring shares to each other, then you just await which products we can build for the future and how we can reinvent the financial markets because that's very exciting. So that's kind of the trajectory we're on, on, on to. Sounds cool. Sounds good stuff. And uh, where can people find you uh, online and, and, and Capdesk as well? So you can find me on uh, LinkedIn. I should be Christian Gabriel on LinkedIn or Gabriel Christian. So linkedin.com slash Gabriel Christian. I'm on Twitter at Gabriel Denmark. And uh, if people want to you know, write me an email, it's Christian at Capdesk.com. And if you want to follow Capdesk, you can follow us on LinkedIn, Capdesk. We are on Instagram as well. Uh, at CapDesk. Um, we're trying to be quite active there. If you want to look for a job at CapDesk, you can go to careers.capdesk.com. And if you just want to check out CapDesk yourself, it's capdesk.com. So straightforward. Awesome. Very lucky with that name. Good stuff. <laughs> Indeed. Good stuff. Well, Christian, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you, learning from you uh, around this uh, important topic. Uh, first time we, we, we've talked about uh, sort of equity uh, on the SaaS Revolution show, you know, in six years, right? So uh, finally uh, tick that box. Um, so really appreciate you taking the time and, uh, you know, going deep into that and, and sharing with the audience. So thanks so much, uh, Christian Gabriel, uh, CEO of Capes. Thank you, Alex. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world.